What's up, Dunwoody? This is the second part of our interview with Greg Bluestein, the AJC's political guy covering the governor's office. Greg grew up in Sandy Springs and then moved his beautiful family to Dunwoody. We had a really good time talking with him, and it turned out we had a lot in common. Greg coaches under-eight girls soccer with Brett Friedman, our sponsor from Village Orthodontics. He knew my wife from Russell Hall at UGA. As always, it's a small world in Dunwoody, Georgia. My name is Matt Weber. I'm a local real estate agent. I've told you that in the past, but chances are you probably forgot because you aren't looking for an agent right now. But why not get to know your next agent now before you need somebody? Send me a message introducing yourself and uh, tell me you want to move in three years. We'll get you knowledgeable about the area so you know what to expect in certain Dunwoody markets at different times in the year. Send me a message saying you can't decide whether you want to fix up your home and stay in it or find something better for that remodel cost. I hear real life love realistic concerns all the time. If your home is worth fixing up, I'll be the first to tell you. But why not figure it out now and put together a plan? And I'm here for the long run. I love this city, and you'll probably hear from What's Up Dunwoody for the next 30 years. Justin Dyke is my co-host. He's a founder of PoolDues.com and the social director at the Georgetown Rec Club. They've been adding TVs around their pool all spring, so um, I'll probably be hanging out there a little more this summer. That's a fun club if you're looking for a family-friendly neighborhood pool in the perimeter area. Uh, you could ride your bike across the Georgetown Pedestrian Bridge, maybe watch some TV by the pool. You could join the swim team, um, one of the many dolphins and fins teams around Dunwoody. And uh, by the way, GDOT is buying up property in Sandy Springs. It's looking more and more like you might get a brand new pool in just a few years. But uh, anyway, let's get to the show. Here's the second half of our conversation with Greg. What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. So you're seeing some of the suburban younger lawmakers getting key committee assignments and being asked to to introduce big legislation that will get them headlines and also help them in November of next year if if they face a stiff challenge. Do you do you think it's the um, I've heard this before? It's the middle-aged women that are pushing us toward being a a blue state. I, I mean the the. What to watch? It's always been kind of on the what to watch list. Is the is the middle you know the the suburban white women, college educated, who used to vote Republican, and may or may not start fleeing the the GOP. Um, what the argument Stacey Abrams has made and, and made pretty effectively last year is that sure, you know, Democrats should aim for them, but Democrats have always tried to aim for them ever since Republicans took control of the state. Jason Carter and Michelle Nunn both lost in 2014 by about eight points despite trying to appeal to more centrist policies. Well, what Stacey Abrams did is kind of upended the formula. You know, she, they both... Go all out one way. <laughs> all out one way. Carter and Carter and uh, Nunn got about 1.1 million votes each. Stacey Abrams got 1.2 million alone just from black voters. And when you add in uh, the white voters, um, she, she got close to... She got the more, Demo- more votes from any Democrat in Georgia history. Wow. Yeah, but the thing is, Kemp did the exact same thing on his side of the party line, and uh, he he was appealing to Trump supporters. There was a reason why he was highlighting Trump every single chance he could get, and he actually had a team of activists that would go out and do the exact same thing that Stacey Abrams is doing it, but instead of trying to get progressives who didn't vote often, she, he was trying to get Republicans who voted for Trump but often skipped these midterm votes, and it worked because he got more votes than any Republican gubernatorial candidate 
has oh, ever yeah. got, any, any gubernatorial candidate period has ever got and ended up winning by 55,000 or so votes. I think Trump is just such a diversive person. Divisive. Divisive. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for, divisive. Yeah, but among the Republicans... He's, he's really diverse. diverse. <laughs> he's a diverse character. But among Republicans in Georgia, his approval ratings, and our polls have showed it time and time again, his approval ratings are sky high. They're high 80s or low 90s, even though his, his overall approval ratings are underwater. They're under 50. So if you're Brian Kemp and you need to do the same thing that Abrams is doing, you need to energize your base, you go toward Donald Trump. And that's what he did. And there was there was really, there was no criticism of Trump at all throughout the entire campaign. And it was, it was, it was a lot of talk about Nathan Deal too, because he was a popular political figure. But there was lots of attempts um, to tie himself directly to, to President Trump. And it worked. The question is, in 2020, you know, will it work? Yeah, it's an interesting way to go. I don't know if I'd attach myself to Trump even. David Perdue, who's up for election next year, is one of his, if not maybe his foremost, but one of his chief allies in the Senate. And same thing. I mean, there's very little um, distance between the two of those those politicians. And so whoever runs against him will, will you know, leverage that. And remember, Georgia went for five points by Trump in 2016, but the suburbs flipped. I mean, for the first time in decades, both Cobb and Gwinnett County went blue. And then in 18, that trend even you know magnified because not only did they, both those counties go blue, they went solidly blue. I mean, Abrams won Gwinnett County. I, I'm from Gwinnett. I would have never thought right? Gwinnett would be blue. Abrams you know? won 57% in Gwinnett County. So it wasn't just, it wasn't some squeaker. I mean, it was a major victory. And Democrats are looking to get those numbers closer to 60. And with a high turnout, they could. And that could start cutting into um, Trump's, Trump's lead. And meanwhile, the rural areas are getting even redder. I mean, counties in rural Georgia that used to go 60%, 70% for past Republican candidates, presidential candidates, are now going 80 90 There's one county that went 91%. Uh, I went to, I went to, um, uh, it was Jackson County. It was about 89, 90%. And I spent a couple of days there. And it was hard for me to find more than a handful of Democrats. You know, that's so red counties. Um, so that just shows the polarization of, of rural Georgia and, and suburban, urban Atlanta. And will it be enough? That's the big question for 2020 is will the suburban Democratic votes be enough? To, to flip the state? Or will guys like Senator Perdue um, do an effective job at trying to win back some of those Republican voters that voted for Democrats last year and in 2016? What do you think about Nall versus Shortle? It's going to be an interesting race. So I know Nall is, Nall is effectively in, right? Yeah, he said he's going to do he it. He said he's in. And I don't Shortle? think Shortle said he's going to okay, do it Okay, because I'm waiting to see whether or not Shortle will run again because that's going to be a tough... I thought um, you were going to say, I'm going to run. No, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but That's the blue wave right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in, in a lot of the, I, I'm, I'm, you know, personally, because I don't have to cover this so I can actually take an opinion on it. I'm like, I'm a growth fan. I like density and I like, I, I don't mind if we have more apartments. I know that a lot of the, you know, the old timers in the community are really worried about what that means for schools and infrastructure. And I understand all those concerns. You like what Shambly's doing. And- yeah, I do. I like I like more dense development. I, like when 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 I saw that um, the plan for the P.F. Chang's area off Ashford Dunwoody, and I looked at it, it's another strip mall. I said, why, why waste that land? You know, I don't know. I'm I, I probably counter to a lot a lot of people in the community think, but I like the density, and I like the. Um, I like the edge city. I just want to keep it sort of zoned separately from in the perimeter area. Yeah, yeah. and I think it makes sense. And I have I love being able to walk to those places from my neighborhood, which is right down the street from all that. 
Um, so that's what I'll be looking for is what candidates views on that type of development is. Because I think some of the attitudes, especially as younger people are moving in and, and more families, if there's an apartment building or a condo tower that adds 14 kids to the school, I'm not going to take a pitchfork to anything, right? Like, I, and, and I see some of that reaction in the local, and, and, and we have such a fun... On world. Facebook? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're in your Facebook group and also like on the, in the local papers. And we have such a cool environment because there's so many news deserts everywhere. But Dunwoody's not one of them. We have we have so much local coverage and such a good thing because we have organizations like you guys and Facebook groups, but we also have two local newspapers that Dunwoody Crier and the and the um, Dunwoody Reporter that they cover everything. They cover all the ins and outs. And technically, the AJC is based right across the street from the mall. So we're of course all over anything Dunwoody related too. And we have got DeKalb County reporters who cover all that stuff. So we have a lot of coverage. The community has every opportunity to be informed. Um, so I'm just I'm fascinated to see how that how that all plays out with the with the pro growth versus the slow growth. Yeah. When is uh, when's Perimeter Mall closing down? Is that your big question? <laughs> it seems to be there. I mean, look, they're selling off like all their uh, parking lots. He's taking it seriously. Yeah, you're right. They are selling off those parking no, lots. No, I mean it's booming. But who knows? Yeah, could be closed tomorrow. But in 15 years or 10 years, you're seeing that happen. Malls all over the all over the state and really the nation are sitting on the, like vast parking lots that they can redevelop. Yeah, and and Walmart's too. That's the well, big that's what we started Walmart's. doing. There's the two restaurants going in there. There's hotels going. The up hotels going in there. Selling off land. Yeah, and Walmart's too. And we have the Walmart right off Astrodomity. But Walmart's all over the the nation are looking at. You know, decking their parking or building more in their parking and things like that. And think about it, the Walmart on Astrodome. It's a vast expanse of just, you know, tar yeah. that's being not utilized to the best potential. And, and I know decks are expensive and I don't know what how that will all work, but I'm sure there'll be more more plans to, to densify that stuff. I mean, do Walmart parking lots ever fill up? Yeah. I mean, that one over in Chambly, that parking deck is huge. huge. Like, there's no way there's going to be that many, even at Christmas. Yeah, and I think some of those are from old zoning standards where where it was just they yeah have to have that many yeah and build yeah. as much as you can and for future use and nowadays I mean everything's changed now you want front you know street facing uh, you don't want to see a sea of, of empty parking lots and that's going to be huge for um, whatever happens to Dunwoody Village in the future too mm-hmm. as they start to talk about redevelopment and for High Street which is going to be like a if it ever you know gets going a, a true game changer and not just because. My office building at the AJC is slated to go. <laughs> oh, over to the high street? Nice. We're, 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 well, our office building will be torn down. We're going to have to move. Oh, okay. Um, because the high street development includes where the AJC's office are and where a bunch of little you know office towers are right now. And I don't well, know that'll what That'll be fun for y'all. I mean, yeah, we'll after, go somewhere. After construction. Exactly. All right, well, let's get back to news. What do, you, what do you think about all this fake news, all this digital fake news everywhere? It's really How are you guys handling that? Yeah, I mean, we, we have we have an ad campaign saying, you know, emphasizing that we're real news, that we're a credible, trusted news source. It's one of the most annoying things. This whole the, just the terminology, fake news, right? It is. It's just it's just stupid. It's it's lazy, really. Like if you want to call somebody out for not writing the uh, an accurate thing, well, then you need to be very specific. Exactly. Fake news in the 2016 campaign. Fake news is actually fake news. I mean, one of the first instances of like fake news breaking into the forefront was fake stories written by I think it was in the country of Georgia. This guy would this, there was a mill that just produced 
fake news story after fake news story. And they found really quickly that fake news stories, they didn't about both candidates, Trump and Clinton, but they found really quickly that the Clinton stories got a lot more traction. And there was a story about um, in Ohio, it was a fake story about in Ohio, they had some, some registrar was like saving boxes of votes. And, and, the, and the story actually used a picture from tw- 2008 or something of a real registrar who was out there, and the poor guy got just slammed. Yeah, I mean, just got destroyed online, and all they were was that was just a picture stolen from a from a local newspaper. And what, so, do they, what do these Georgians have to gain from that? They would get paid. They, they would get, get paid ad money. More hits. Yeah, they would get. There was there. Were, they'd get digital clicks. I mean, some of that stuff can pay if you can get a story that goes viral, and you sell and and you have a, a an ad that's attached to it where you get two cents or whatever it is, every time someone clicks on that ad, that adds up, especially if you have something that goes viral and gets hundreds of thousands of clicks. It's hard to go viral. Yeah. So they would just mass produce all this stuff and hope for something to click. And with Facebook and Google it and Twitter, some of those things would take off. A lot of them didn't, but some would. So that was actually fake news. And then President Trump kind of turned it into this pejorative about any story he didn't like. So it, became, it went from like actual phony news that people made up to stories about him or Republicans or whatever in the New York Times or other news outlets that are ridiculously credible that that he would just didn't like and he would call them fake news. Yeah. I like that. Just flip it around. Ridiculously credible news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that should be my the AJC's new tagline. Ridiculously yeah. credible. Yeah. Got any good execution stories? Yeah. <laughs> you want to surprise everyone? <laughs> any, any of that involved Dunwoodians? <laughs> <laughs> let me think. Let me think about that. Uh, well, I mean, geez, I covered the Hemi Newman trial. Oh yeah, yeah. So my old beat before I, before I covered politics full time, I always covered some of politics in the legislature, but I used to cover criminal justice, and that one that one was one of those stories that that really you know hit home, obviously, um, because my brother went to Dunwoody Prep. Yeah. The school where the shooting was, and I covered that Just trial right over by your house. Yeah. Yeah, and so sometimes those stories hit close to home. I remember. Um, covering Meredith Emerson. She was a UGA student about my age who got beheaded in a national forest. And um, that one really hit home because I was right after I graduated from college and she, yeah, she was around my age and it was something, you know, seeing something that brutal could happen to someone so, you know, I didn't know her, but so close to you. And that was the guy they found him in Brookhaven, right? I that was him. a few doors up from my old Really? Place. Yeah. And then the craziest was... Um, I worked for a legal newspaper called The Daily Report, and I covered the legislature for them right after I graduated. And one day I was driving into work, and I'm dodging police cars as I came in. I was, I was supposed to get there at 9. I was coming out like 9.05. I was a little late. And I'm dodging police cars, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I'm parking at my deck next to the Fulton County Courthouse. I walk outside, and I, and I asked a police officer why all these people were outside. He goes, I just heard a judge has been shot. Oh. And that was when Brian Nichols went on his, his murder spree through the Fulton County Courthouse when he, caught, when he shot a, a judge, a deputy, a court reporter, mm-hmm. and later on killed a federal marshal and ended up you know, putting the city under like a siege of terror for, for a couple of days until he was finally caught in Gwinnett. Um, but sometimes you, know, you can't help but kind of be intersecting with these stories. And, and an AJC reporter was involved in that directly because he was mugged and his car was stolen. And, you know, could have been worse than that. Oh, yeah, it could, have, it could have been much worse. But those stories will happen. And then you spend not just days or weeks, but years covering the, the ramifications of that. I mean, the trial went on for years. I covered that trial. I did a, You have open record stuff 
you have you have documents that still come out to this you know to recently um, about plots that he had to escape jail. All this stuff still continues. So these stories aren't just kind of one and done. They they become part of the fabric of the city. Yeah, I bet ADC is happy to have you there, remembering you know like what you've seen and. Yeah, we're lucky. We have we have a lot of reporters that have been there for decades. It's neat, like Jim Galloway, who I work with every day, has been there for about forty years now. Um, there's a lot that Mike Luckovich has been there for decades. A lot of our editors have been there for a long time. There's some of them are retiring and some of them are staying on. Um, you see yourself doing this for a long time? I hope so. I mean, I don't I don't want to leave Atlanta. This is my home, and it's the job. As I said earlier, it's always what I want to do. Ever since I was in like fourth grade, um, but um, but. Yeah, I mean the industry's going through some changes, but we're we're hanging in there. Yeah, and I think our editors always like to say that we're we're for the size of our newspaper, we're we're pound for pound putting out you know some of the best investigative stories. Our city hall team has been doing fantastic work about former Mayor Reed and in the in the corruption probe, and at the Capitol we're we're trying to keep lawmakers hold them accountable and tell the tell the city and the state what what everything what's happening down there at the Capitol with their with their taxpayer money. Um, but we need people to read, right? We need people to pay. People are so used to seeing those stories for free, and it's become such a challenge for us to wean them off that. And for a little while, we had a two-site strategy. We had a paid website and a free website. We've abandoned that. We've gone back to one website to get more more eyeballs. But newspapers all over the nation are struggling with how to raise revenue, how to, how to effectively you know, make it so that this business can last. Yeah. How are the podcast numbers? Podcast numbers are good. We have a we have we have our we have a five or six different podcasts at the AJC. We have one that's a scripted. You know, a team of reporters work on it. It's called Breakdown, and that was one of the most popular uh, real news, real crime po- podcasts. You've got nation. such good access to like real minds, you know. I yeah, mean, everybody and every expert in every division. Exactly, and we can work with WSB Radio on those. And then we have podcasts like Things to Do and the podcast that I do called Politically Georgia that we just do them weekly and we focus on different issues. And it's just another way for us to get our stories out and to refer people back to our writing, but we get it. Not everyone's going to buy a newspaper, not everyone's going to read our stuff on their phone or on their computer. And so we've got to come to where the readers are. That's why we've been doing... Journalists are always trained not to... You know, to, to be in the background and, mm-hmm. and and not to be front and center in stories. And all through journalism school, that was the lesson. It's like, don't worry about your byline. Don't worry about that. People don't need to know who you are. But with the advent of social media since then, because I graduated in two thousand four, before Facebook was really anything, and certainly before Twitter. But with that, your people more and more want to interact with you and 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 ask you questions and and see that you're a real person too and it's not the worst thing in the world for the for your readers to see that you're not some you know gray and white number uh, name in the newspaper that you're something more than that here's an idea yeah what if um to get more sales what if people had to basically um buy it by the letter so like you can read the article for free but you don't get any of the vowels yeah, or like maybe half the consonants are gone, and then <laughs> I can so, read without vowels. That wouldn't be a problem. I, see, I but could then after a while, I'd be like, you know what? I think I'm going to splurge this month and buy some of the E's. I, I might mess up his name and switch the E and the I. Gerg or something. Bluestein, Bluestein. Yeah, like 
I, I like the other way around. I like just the vowels, no consonants. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because maybe maybe we'll think about that. And a lot of a lot of outlets pay reporters like who aren't full time staffers by the letter by the by the word too. So then you could just throw in some extra thes and a's and ands and things like that and get paid. Or as you scroll down the page, every once like if you scroll over a paragraph, it just destroys that paragraph, and then you just pay to assemble it back together again. That would there be you go. kind of fun. It's kind of like a game. Might yeah. Be creative. Yeah. The letters yeah. can just fall apart. I'm like gonna, teeth I'm shattering. Run this up the flagpole and see what Kevin Riley, our editor in chief, thinks about it. Talk to your technical I think people. That's more too. a red and black type of thing. That maybe, might be if a red you've black got a word thing. there, yeah. And look, same <laughs> things happen in red and black, right? That used to be a daily publication that if the UGA student newspaper and now college it's, kids are not reading an actual paper. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, back back when I was in school. Everyone in our class had the red and black open. It wasn't necessary to read our articles. It was more to play, look at the comics and do the crossword puzzle because that was a must. But still, we had like 90-something percent saturation rates. And now it's harder. Uh, there's a lot more to, to break through. And, there's, and these smartphones are good and bad for our business. It's good because it gives you more access to eyeballs, but there's a lot more competition too. Right, right. Okay, every page is timed, so you you have like thirty <laughs> seconds to get to the article. If you don't, then you know it just fades away. But the opposite is that they one of the new metrics they use is they want they they track how long you read. They Time want the longer, page. yeah. yeah they right. want like two or three minutes on it. So maybe it would be you get punished if you it won't let you go away if you try to get away before thirty seconds. <laughs> you could do a ton of these. It would we, be great. We should just hire you as a consultant. Yeah. Oh as a, yeah. As a readership consultant. How about I just show up at your job one day and I'll See just start giving people advice. Come to the Capitol. Come with come with Walensky and just, and just oh, we've done that before. It did not work out yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> we were there a few weeks ago. Oh did you yeah, I missed you. It was fun. Well, was you were fun. behind the glass. So you I, was, got I to, was tapping on it, yeah. trying to... Yeah, we got to meet Chris Carr. That was cool. Oh, yeah, another Dimwoodian. Yeah. Dimwoodian, whatever you call it. Is he, is he older than us? Or younger He's than us? He's probably in his 40s. He went to Marist. He's probably in his 40s. Okay. Um, another, we were talking about the rising new class of... I mean, he's already up there, but... Um, he seemed like a real nice guy. Yeah, he'll run for some higher office. He'll run for governor or senate or both at some point in his life. We had a great conversation until his little minion was like, okay, that's enough. He's like, <laughs> kind yeah, of he's like, back. bump, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I tried to friend him on Facebook and he was at his 5,000 person max, which I'd never seen before. Yeah, he's a popular dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, now I know there's a limit. And and I mean, I'm not dangerously close to that with my like 200 friends, but I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> like, I can't just throw just, this out to everybody. Just accept everyone. <laughs> even if you've never met them before, even if you've never seen them before. I think I friended you that night, did I? Yes. Yeah, Porter? Yeah. We're, we're, it's all about networking. Porter Barbecue, uh, four doors up from Village Orthodontics. Village Orthodontics. You should be getting your te- your kids' uh, braces at. Yeah. How's, uh, how is he as a soccer coach? He's so he's you is know, he the head coach or are you guys coach yeah he's together? the head coach and I've been my kids like co coach for a long time and I don't I don't I think I think this is the first year he's been he's been a coach so we go through some drills together our kids it's a really good team is that they, under eights it's eight and under yeah okay. I'll have to bring my team over and play all one time well it's a good team but the we, J? oh yeah. you're good never mind well well we lost though we oh. lost it was a it was a really and my my kid. My my eight year old's pretty. She's okay. She's pretty aggressive, but she she faced a kid that was a little bigger than her, and she's one of the bigger kids on the team. And she faced a kid that was a little bigger than her. I think the kid intimidated her, so I was like, "Don't let her get in your head." And so smash her braces. Yeah. So the next, get Brett more business. Yeah. So the next game, 
was was this team of like observant um, girls, like Orthodox Jewish girls, who um, who were under man. They had like they needed two or three extra players. So I, my daughter was like, I want to play. I want to I want to make it up. I want to be aggressive again. So they played, and it was awesome. It was just fun watching. So she got to beat on her friends. She comes back and she's like, I got revenge, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Okay, cool. You, you can keep talking to him, but I got I gotta go pick up my kids. No, that's all right, Greg. Nice talking with you. Thanks yeah, for coming on. We'll have to do yeah. this again sometime. Oh,